Hello, and welcome to The Therapist Mindset. I'm your host, Jamie Bonaiuto, licensed professional counselor, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, registered yoga instructor, and Reiki master. Thank you so much for being here. The Therapist Mindset brings you evidence-based therapies with a spiritual backbone. Through mindfulness, we grow and change. I want to thank you in advance for your continued support of The Therapist Mindset. I appreciate you so much. I am so, so grateful. If you want to continue to support The Therapist Mindset, you can give us a five-star review, a follow, and a share. The more we follow and share, the more The Therapist Mindset can serve others. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And now let's get started. Thank you for joining me on The Therapist Mindset. I'm honored to have you here today and so very, very grateful. Let's dive into today's topic. We are talking about gaslighting. I wanted to do this episode on gaslighting because it's been... A hot topic recently on social media and uh, I even saw an article on NBC and I saw CNN posted something about gaslighting. So I really wanted to give you some education and information about gaslighting from a reliable source. I'm a licensed therapist, but I also have spent my career working in forensics and the prison system, in a forensic hospital. And so I have a lot of experience with gaslighting professionally and personally. So as usual, I like to look things up in the dictionary. I'm like, I know what it means. But if someone in the general public wanted to find out what gaslighting means, and you looked it up in the dictionary, this is what you would get. Gaslighting to manipulate someone using psychological methods into questioning their own sanity or powers of reasoning. So basically gaslighting is a manipulative tactic and a form of psychological abuse. Gaslighting uses methods that contribute to the victim questioning their own reality, second-guessing themselves, being unsure of what really is going on. So where did this term gaslighting come from? I'm going to tell you. In 1938, there was a play called Angel Street. And later, that play was made into a movie by Alfred Hitchcock. And that movie was entitled Gaslight. Since the movie was a Hitchcock film, you can only imagine what a thriller it was. So like many Alfred Hitchcock films, Gaslight was a psychological thriller based on this 1938 play, Angel Street. The premise of the movie and the play was that a husband tries to make his wife think that she's losing her mind by making little subtle changes around the house. So he would dim the gas light. And because it was based in 1938, they had one of those gas lanterns. So he would dim the gas lamp 
and she would question herself like are the lights flickering and he would say no you're imagining that in another scene he told her she's so forgetful and she said no I'm not I I'm have a great memory I'm not forgetful and then she forgot something um her keys or I can't remember a piece of jewelry I think it was and she started saying maybe I am forgetful maybe he's right I can't find whatever it was my necklace maybe I am forgetful but really he had moved it he had hid it somewhere where she wouldn't normally look for that item so that's how gaslighting works and that is that is the history of where the term came from from this play in 1938 that was made into an Alfred Hitchcock film entitled Gaslight so in the film as he continues to gaslight her he's also simultaneously isolating her from friends and family so now she's alone she feels confused out of control she isn't sure what's real or what's not not my friends is the history of gaslighting So it's psychological abuse. It's a tactic that is used by abusive people to manipulate and exert power over someone. So the purpose of gaslighting is power and control. It's to exert power over someone and gain control over them and their decisions. And it's subtle, very, very subtle. So this happens to many, many people. This is a very unique form of abuse. Gaslighting is different than, you know, physical abuse. Um, Gaslighting is different than other kinds of verbal and emotional abuse. So the person may not be yelling at you. The person may not be calling you names. The person isn't physically abusive, but... And I'm not saying that people cannot also be all those things. They can. Someone might be physically abusing you and using gaslighting. But gaslighting in and of itself is a very subtle tactic. It's used, it's very covert. It's used subtly over time. And what happens is because it's so subtle like little seeds, little morsels of psychological abuse over time, the person, the victim, doesn't know that they're being abused. They don't realize that it's happening. It's so subtle. And this is why many people fall victim to gaslighting in abusive relationships And they're not someone you would think would succumb to an abusive relationship. So these are people who typically have never been involved in an abusive relationship before. They're people who are confident, successful. Um, This happens to both men and women. Um, There's no real gender difference or sexual orientation difference. However, I will say that we hear about it more with women being the victim of gaslighting and men being the perpetrators, at least in heterosexual relationships. And why is that? Um, I just think it's reported more by women. I, I don't 
really know and I haven't read or researched any other reason other than I think women report domestic violence more. Men underreport. Um, it's frowned upon. Society, you know, there's this societal expectation that men, that women don't abuse men. And although we know that that isn't true, not many men report domestic violence. So women report domestic violence more. So those are the st- statistics we have. So for the sake of this being easy and not complicated, I may use, you know, she referring to the victim and he referring to the perpetrator. But I, you know, I, I know that there are lots of men who are victims of gaslighting and it's just not reported. So there's a lot of times where the victim of the of gaslighting, the victim of emotional, psychological abuse, is a confident, successful, well put together person. And the abuser feels threatened by the person. The, the abuser feels threatened by her. Maybe she makes more money than him. Maybe they are more successful. Maybe they have, you know, more friendships or a better social network. And the abuser feels threatened. He feels threatened. And so one of the ways that he feels more secure about himself is to gain power and control over her. And gaslighting is a subtle and covert method, tactic of doing that. So this happens to very successful people. It happens to to everybody. Nobody is outside of possibility here. And it takes people by surprise. For example, I know plenty of women who are successful, make a lot of money, um, have thriving careers, and fall victim to gaslighting and abusive relationships. And you wonder, how did that happen to her? It could happen to each and every one of us. Um, Nobody is exempt. And because it is so subtle, it happens and you don't even realize it's happening until time goes by and you're like, whoa, what just happened here? What is going on? So over time, the victim starts to question everything. They start to feel uncertain about their life and who they are and their reality. They start to become full of doubt. Um, they start to become insecure and not really, not really being confident in their reality as they were before. So here are some red flags to look for. Gaslighters typically have certain characteristics. And although these characteristics fall into the cluster B personality disorder group of narcissist, antisocial, and borderline personality disorder, many people have some of these traits and are not necessarily diagnosed with a personality disorder. So because you meet someone who may be manipulative or you're experiencing gaslighting, it doesn't mean that that person is a narcissist or has antisocial personality disorder. But these traits are also common to 
sociopaths, people with narcissism, and antisocial personality disorder. So here are some of the common red flags to look for. They're pathological liars. People who gaslight as a manipulative tool to exert control over you are pathological liars. They lie about everything. And their lying is purposeful. It's purposeful to make you believe that you didn't experience what happened in reality. So for example, they may say, no, that's not what you saw. You didn't see that text message from that other person, or you didn't see a text message that said that. And you know what you saw, but the more they convince you that you didn't see it, the more you believe, oh, maybe I didn't see what I saw. Maybe I didn't. Or they may lie about where they were going and perhaps you saw them or saw their car somewhere and they may say, no, I told you that. Remember, I told you that I changed my plans and you know that you would remember that. But the more they lie to you, the, the more convincing they are, the more you question, oh, maybe you did and I just don't remember. They'll discredit you. That's another red flag, discrediting you. For example, they might spread rumors about you, but not so overtly. So they might just throw in a little comment about you, throw you under the bus, Um, They may lie to you. This is a big one. They may lie to you and say that people don't like you. So they may say that, oh, you know, so-and-so's spouse doesn't really like you. They just said they'll, you know, they'll be nice to you for the sake of me. Or, you know, your sister talks behind your back. So they discredit you and lead you to believe with their lies that, People don't like you, and so if you make a complaint or you say something, no one's really going to care because they don't like you anyway. They invalidate your feelings with comments like, just calm down, you're overreacting, or I can't say anything to you, you're just so sensitive, or stop being so dramatic, or it was a joke, you have no sense of humor. When you call them out on stuff and try to hold them accountable, they will deny any wrongdoing. It's never their fault. And then they will shift the blame onto you. Well, if you had only done what I asked you to do, then this wouldn't have happened. Well, if you didn't make me mad, this wouldn't have happened. And then they rewrite the narrative, meaning when they tell their experience of the story, It's grossly different than your experience of the story. So they rewrite the narrative to make it appear like it's in their favor, make it appear like they didn't do anything wrong. And like for for example, I was coming home from a trip once, my flight was delayed, I was in the airport for like three or four extra hours waiting for my flight. Fast forward like a year later, my partner at the time didn't come home for a couple of days. It was 
two days late. And then compared that to, you know, you get mad at me for the same things that you do. You didn't come back on the flight that, you know, that day. Well, I was waiting in the airport. My flight was delayed. You purposely didn't come back or get on a plane. So they're two totally different stories, but the way they rewrite the narrative, it's so that their wrongdoing is overlooked. And they rewrite the narrative so that it looks more favorable to them. And how, do, how does the person being gaslit feel? Here are some signs and symptoms and feelings that you might experience that might clue you in to something not being okay in your relationship. And I should say, this not only happens in intimate partner relationships, gaslighting, it does happen in families. There's plenty of um, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers who gaslight, but the family dynamic, because there's more parties involved, um, there's a lot more to it. But primarily when we talk about gaslighting, we're talking about intimate partner relationships. So some of the signs that you might experience or feelings, symptoms that'll clue you in that you might be getting gaslit are these. You begin to second guess or doubt yourself. And now these are confident and secure people, put together people that didn't doubt themselves or second guess themselves prior to being in this relationship. So it's a change in your behavior. You start making excuses for the abuser. You start, you know, excusing his behavior to yourself, to your friends, to your family, because you're embarrassed. There's a sense of shame. You're hesitant to speak up or express your emotions because you've learned that sharing usually ends up worse for you. So you stay silent, which is the manipulative tactic. So when you share your feelings, voice your feelings, talk about how you feel, and it's met with someone blowing up at you or somebody saying you're overreacting or it was just a joke, you can't even take a joke. Over time, you start to learn that that, you know, because that feels so bad being invalidated like that, that it's not worth it. And you start to say nothing. And who wins? The abuser. You begin to feel insecure. You feel alone. And that's because you become isolated. When you can't talk to your friends or to your family about what's going on in your relationship because you feel so much shame, then that isolation, you feel utterly alone. Because you you feel so shameful about what's going on that you have no one to talk to. You start to wonder if it's true. You start asking yourself, maybe I am too sensitive. Maybe I don't have a sense of humor. Maybe I am forgetful. Over time, you start to feel so confused and inadequate. You start feeling so uncertain that you have difficulty making decisions You over-apologize for everything. And at some point, you look at yourself and you don't recognize who you have become. You do not recognize the person looking back at you in the mirror. Who is this? I was confident. 
I was secure. I was assertive, a decision maker, successful. And now I can't even decide what to buy at the store or you tiptoe around the house because you don't want to say anything upsetting. So over time, you develop this character that you don't recognize who that person is. Those are signs and clues that there's gaslighting going on in your relationship. In addition to those, people start to feel anxious. They start to have depression. You might have panic attacks. You might have a sleep disturbance or a change in your appetite where you're not sleeping or you're oversleeping, you're not eating or you're under eating. All of those symptoms go along with anxiety and depression and a toxic abusive relationship. So here are some responses to gaslighting. If you know that it's happening and you recognize it, here are some ways that you can respond to it. You can say, that wasn't my experience. Or, I understand your perspective, but I'm not crazy. My experience is valid. I hear what you're saying, but that wasn't my experience. You can set a boundary. If you continue to speak with me like that, I'm not going to participate in this conversation. You can say, I know that I'm not crazy and I will not let you try to convince me that I am. Gaslighters are famous for telling you you're crazy and you're a psychopath. Nobody likes you. And to respond to that, you can just say, that's okay. My feelings are valid. This is my experience. They're also famous for saying it was only a joke when it wasn't really a joke or it was a bad joke or a hurtful joke. So you can say, I hear what you're, that you're saying it's a joke, but it was hurtful and I don't want to hear jokes like that anymore. Another response may be, I see you feel strongly about this, but my feelings are also valid. So those are some responses that you could use when you know that the conversation is filled with gaslighting. Now I encourage you not to debate the person about the experience. You can simply say that wasn't my experience. And at some point when they continue to go on, you just say, I need a break. This conversation isn't going anywhere, but I'm taking a break from it and walk away. You don't have to engage in that conversation. Like they say, you do not have to attend every argument that you are invited to. So what to do what to do if you think that there's gaslighting going on in your relationship? Gang some distance, take a step back. So when we get some space from the gaslighter, we start to see things a little more objectively. We have a different vantage point and perspective. So take a break. That might be going to stay at a family member's house for the weekend or simply taking a walk around the block. It's, you know, entirely what's going on for you and your situation in your life with your resources. So, but take a break. Gang some distance. While you are in this safe space where the gaslighter is not right attached to you, 
it's important that you find time to do some breath work or grounding exercises. So I'm going to teach you a quick breath work exercise. It is called four square breathing or box breathing. Super simple because you can remember it like four corners of a square. You're going to breathe in for four seconds. Hold for four seconds. Exhale for four seconds and repeat four times. So by doing this, you're doing two things. One, you're regulating your nervous system with the equal inhalations and exhalations. And two, you are distracting your mind, you're racing thoughts from everything that's going on by focusing on the counting. So again, it's four square breathing or box breathing. You breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, repeat four times. And if four feels like it's too long for you, do three, triangle breathing, whatever works best for you. Grounding. Grounding is a skill that we use for people who experience trauma and symptoms of trauma. If people disassociate, grounding helps us to stay connected to our body. There's a million different types of grounding exercises. So you can just go on Google or YouTube and search grounding. But the easiest one is to incorporate your senses and right now say, what are five things that I see? I see my pants, a laundry basket, a rug, my bed, the telephone. What are four things that I can touch? A pillow, a sheet, a computer, a piece of paper. What are three things that I hear? My dog, my child, the TV. What are two things that I can what did I say? I lost my train of thought. What are two things that I can smell? Popcorn, lavender. And what is one thing that I can taste? Lemon water. So you're using your five senses and you can go in any order. You don't have to go in the order that I just went in. Go in any order. But what do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you touch? What do you taste? That is grounding. Another great grounding tool that's super simple is to just go outside and put your bare feet on the earth and breathe. It's gonna be important for you to journal and save the evidence. So you can journal about your experiences so that you can go back and remind yourself, this was my reality. It doesn't matter what they say, this was my reality. Keep all your emails and your texts. It's very important to keep you safe. Seek professional help. Focus on you and your self-care. So the more you focus on yourself, the more the gaslighter is likely to be angry because they're not in control of you if you're doing things for you and not for them. So it's important that you seek professional help, that you explore like, assess your resources, even if you're isolated from your friends and family, you know, reach out to people, reach out to people who you love and trust, who love and trust you. And the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. I will put that in the show notes. 
Again, it's 1-800-799-7233. And if you need more help or you want me to help you find resources in your area, please email me, thetherapistmindset at gmail.com. I am here for you and I will do everything that I can. Stay safe. I love you guys. Namaste.